Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today, Patricia has an article for us. Do you want to tell us what we're going to be talking about today? Yes. So it's all about workload and how it impacts stress. Mm. And basically, it's knowing like how your workload is going to change can actually impact how stressed out you feel by your current workload. So mm. like if you anticipate it's going to get better, that might change how you feel. If you anticipate it's going to get worse, that can change how you feel. And oh, I'm guessing really you have some guesses as to how which direction it might yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> if I think it's going to get worse, I get very happy and excited. <laughs> it's only downhill from here, baby. Today's the best day I'm going to have in a long time. <laughs> no, but that's cool, though. Um, workload is something that we've talked about a lot and something we don't think about as much as um, something we can actually like fix and affect in our workplaces, I think sometimes we just accept that our workloads like are what they are and we don't think about making changes to them or thinking about how like just that direct workload is affecting us. So I really like that topic. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. It's kind of an early study in the like change space. So like talking about like how workload is not stag- like static. I mm-hmm. think a lot of research has kind of just looked at workload like in one point in time or yeah. and this is really talking about that change piece. Um, I think there's a lot of work that still needs to be done, but I think this is a good starting point and definitely gets you thinking about like what you can do as a leader, for example, to try to help, um, some of these situations. So it cool. should be a good one. That is awesome. Well, I'm excited to learn more about it. And in the meantime, how is your life? Things are good. Um, overall, Nothing. I mean, it's still COVID. Nothing's happening. <laughs> um, True. Hanging out at home, doing that. Uh, really loving our Peloton. Like, Yay. obsessed. So Yay. that's fun. And my sister just got one. So the two of us oh, are like your little cons- friends. Yeah. We're like checking in on each other, which is funny. That's um, cute. It's also funny because she... Um, she, you know, hasn't worked out during, like, not in the same way that she used to pre-COVID, right. which I think is true for everybody. Um, and so, like, I've had my Peloton just, like, a few weeks more than her, but it's enough that, like, I'm really starting to see improvements in terms of, like, my strength. And oh, then good. she's, but she's not yet there, obviously, because she just got hers. Um, so it's just funny to, like... She's always like, don't judge me. I barely had any output on this one. And I'm like, I'm not judging you. It's like, fine. (laughs) You're like writing it down in a notebook. Like, I'm like, a bad day today. (laughs) It's like my output far exceeded her output. Uh oh. (laughs) That's really funny. That's fun, though. I feel like when you can do stuff like that with a group, it helps um, keep you motivated towards it, too. And like, it's fun to just have like, the ability to share with someone the same kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is fun. And there's a lot of people I know have it. Um, so like Jill has it, for example. Oh, nice. Um, so she and I talk about it as well. And she's like the most intense person when it comes to workouts than <laughs> that, like ever. Like she, like when I first got it, I like looked at her workouts and I was like, oh my God, it's like every day she's like doing at least a full hour. And wow. I'm like, why do you have time for that? But it's always <laughs> like it it's like five AM and I'm just like, yeah. oh my God, are you crazy lady. I no, no, I'm not getting up at five AM to do an hour worth of workouts like in, and then then doing something later. Like she does it so much. 
but yeah. it is motivating because I'm like, oh, well, Jill got up at this time and she did right. this. So like, I guess I can like at least squeeze in 30 minutes here and like 10 minutes later. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah I, I'm fun. not an early morning workout person. I'm like a later at night workout person. So mm-hmm. I feel like a 5 a.m would not fly for me I no. would stick with that for like a week and then I'd be done but late at <laughs> night I feel like my brain is like fried like if I was gonna get up at 5 a.m I feel like getting up and like going to like starting to do something that requires my brain right away would be better for me because like then I'm like I'm using the alertness to like do something like mental but mm-hmm. by the end of the night my brain's a little fried but my body's okay so like yeah. I can do stuff later as opposed to early that makes sense yeah, I think you should get a Peloton. True. One day I'm no. going to make you get one too. <laughs> I'm not. I I really do well with the f- stupid beach body things. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm on, for like, so long. <laughs> um, I'm on day 150 of straight workouts. Oh. Yeah. Very um, proud. Yeah. So I've been – and I do – because I can do it anytime I want. It's the same as a Peloton, but, like, I don't do well with equipment. I just do well with weights and cardio, like, just, like, regular – Weights and cardio. I don't know why, but I just, that's what I do well with. No um, bike for you. No bike for me. And it's a hundred dollars a year. So I'm like, this is a win. <laughs> like if it, if it works for me, then it works for me. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like, what's the point of doing something else if that works? Um, yeah, for so sure. That's what I did all before my wedding too. And I, but I haven't been doing the same person. I used to do Autumn Calabrese and lately I've been doing Joel Friedman and, um, similar styles a little bit different I might go back to autumn soon but uh it is funny because they're just like so stupid but they're and they're like basic it's like not hard to figure out what you're it's like weights and cardio like it's not anything mind-blowing but just having the structure and not having to think about planning it for myself Mm. um and they're different like all their new programs it's a different one every day for like 80 days or however many days so like there is variety still um, so I do like that. I do enjoy. That makes sense. Like just not even thinking about it, just having it ready to go and you just yeah. do it. Yeah. I've been like, see, I actually have been having fun planning my classes. I'm like, all right, let's find which music I like, yeah, which person yeah. I want to do it with. And then they have like this feature where you can like stack the classes together. So it's like you make, I don't know, whatever. I'm cool. like really getting excited about it, but <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Um, that's it good. is fun. It is fun. I feel like some of the other apps I was using, like there was one that I really liked, but it was good when I was going to a gym where I had heavier weights. Like we just don't have a lot of space. Right, like right. it's either like we could get like a giant thing of weights or we could get like something like the Peloton. And personally, I like something like the Peloton more. So, yeah, um, right, right. And like, yeah. you know, some lightweight, some body weight stuff, but I don't need like a giant thing of like a million different dumbbells. And, right. and that does the work- take up space. Right. And also, like, I live in an apartment, so the thing that's nice is that the Peloton's, like, super quiet, and we have it on the second floor, yeah. but there's not yes. room for a lot of gym equipment on the second floor, so, right. and if we did on the, if I did in my office, <laughs> I would just be, like, dropping weights on top of, like, somebody else's bedroom, like, yeah. I just, no, <laughs> no thanks. No, I know what you mean. Uh, we, I didn't do that at all in the house that we were just in, because I was afraid that I would 
Um, like I was going to the gym in the house that we were in before because I was afraid that we would like mess up the floors. They were like original floors and there was no basement and there was no place that was carpeted. And I was afraid with weights I would mess them up and blah, blah, blah. When I was in an apartment, I didn't want to be jumping around all the time. But in here, finally, I can like jump and use weights and nobody hears me or cares. So, but <laughs> I would, uh, yeah, the quietness thing is definitely a factor. I'm glad yeah. you like it though. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. So yeah. So that's what's up here is Peloton with my sister. <laughs> nice. What, what about you? What's going on with you? Um, I don't know. Um, the inauguration is this week. So things are a little bit creepy in DC. Yeah. I'm um, hoping that everything goes okay. Uh, and you know, just waiting that out. So on Wednesday, everybody's like laying low and, um, and yeah, so that's kind of an odd, there's a tank outside of my office. So that's kind of strange. I don't have to go into the office, but there is a tank outside of it. So that's an odd sight to see your office with like a military tank sitting outside of it is a little strange. Um, so it's a little bit of a weird time, but hopefully everything goes okay. This is so weird. Whenever we record these things early, I'm thinking in the back of my head, like the people listening to this already know how it goes. I hope it's fine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it's been a little bit weird in DC, just kind of like staying in um, and hanging out. But, uh, but yeah, everything is else is pretty normal. Just my classes got going last week. So I'm teaching a few classes this semester, so they're all virtual, but um, got into the swing of those. Uh, So, you know, there's some new stuff starting from a work perspective um, for my classes and um, super impressed with the graduate students that I have right now and their, like, uh, supportiveness in, like, the chat and, like, their, like, tech they're like all over it with the technology and messaging and sending stuff and like being engaged. And that's been really fun because I think everybody's gotten really gotten a hang of all the ways that you can use the virtual technology. So different from the time I taught this in the class before, I think people have really like gotten comfortable with all the technology. So that's been kind of fun to see everybody um, like more of a, what you would get in a normal classroom of like a collaborative like camaraderie environment they've like figured out all kinds of ways to make that happen that I feel like wasn't happening before so that's kind of cool I'm happy to see that that's great yeah it was cute the one um I had them go around and say um for our uh, happy hour remember we did like what's one thing that's sustaining you uh during um during quarantine uh when we did our like holiday spa event we asked that question And uh, I had them answer it. And like one of the students was like, oh, like I've been cooking a lot or whatever. And then like all these students are like, yeah, cooking, like what kind of stuff you like to cook. And then after they're done, they're like putting stuff in the chat box and like, here's I have to exchange recipes with you. And like, oh, like I've been baking. Like, how about I mail you some cookies and you mail me what I was like, this is so cute. Like everybody's like all (laughs) like um, so I think they've really adapted well. It like speaks to the resilience of people in this time that like they've done a really nice job of um you know making things feel a little bit more normal I think than it did last semester by really getting adapted to and like using the technology to the full extent that they can to make it feel like a real classroom so that's kind of exciting I was happy to see that and looking forward to continuing to learn more about them they seem like a great group that's awesome that's really cute I'm so glad they're doing that I think it's so easy to lose that like little chit chat and friendships that build when you're in person in a classroom so that's great that's awesome yeah so that's all off to a good start so hopefully this week goes okay and then uh 
move forward with the rest of the semester. And speaking of new classes starting and things going on and all that kind of stuff, we should be talking about workload. So do you want to <laughs> um, tell us uh, more about your article? Yes. So you stole my transition. I was going to say something about Ooh. how your workload is increasing because your classes have started. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. we're both like really excited about this transition, apparently. Yes, but <laughs> we're really into the transitions. <laughs> um, so this article was written last year. It was published actually in December of 2020 um, in the Journal of Occupational Health Psychology. By, and it's written by Destasso and Schoss. And it's called Looking Forward. How Anticipated Workload Change Influences the Present Workload Emotional Strain Relationship. Hmm. That's so, interesting. Yeah. Pretty, I think, straightforward title, which is yes. nice. Um, yes. Kind of get a sense as to what they're talking about. Yes. But basically, what they're talking about here is, so workload. We generally know what workload is. They defined it as, you know, a demand placed on employees that requires continual exertion of energy to meet. Um, so if you have high workload, that means you've got an excessive amount of job tasks that you can't necessarily manage easily within a certain time span. Um, a moderate workload or like a normal one would be obviously you're able to meet your tasks, but you're busy all the time or mm -hmm. throughout the day. And then a low workload means you probably have some gaps. You're not necessarily doing tasks constantly. Okay, cool. Okay. So that makes sense. So it's just more about my sustained amount of effort towards work related stuff that I have to get done. Exactly. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So workload has been studied a lot. As you mentioned already, like we've talked about this topic before. It's definitely a very popular concept in the literature, especially when it comes to stress, because obviously it's creating a demand on your, on you, on your time, your energy, your effort, your, you know, cognitive resources, all that good stuff. Yeah. So what they've found in the past, so just kind of like to give a sense as to what exists already, we already know that workload does have an impact on stress and strain, right? So it um, it's related to stress. It's related to fatigue. Um, if you're working in a high workload time period for a long period of time, you're more fatigued. You have negative emotions, more negative emotions. You tend to have more distress. It even is tied to blood pressure. Um, so all of these things happen when you have a lot of workload and, and, uh, like I said, it's, it has been shown to be related to stress on the job before. So having a heavy workload can be bad for your health basically. So if you feel like you're yes. constantly doing tasks and you never get a break, that might be a bad sign. Exactly. Yep. And so the thing that's different about this study is they're really looking at understanding what happens with workload changes and not just if it changes, but what happens when you're anticipating that change? So if you're thinking that it's going to change, what's going to happen, right? Like how do you feel? Is that going to change your level of stress? Um, and they pull on the conservation of resources theory, which we've talked about a ton. Yes. So for those of you that listen to this podcast can probably explain it to us by now. <laughs> um, but basically that's where, um, you know, you're trying to, if you can maintain your resources and you're going to be better off, right? As you work throughout the day, if you're putting it some sort of like, let's say you're like, if you think about like running, right? If you're running, you're using energy. And as you continue to use that energy, you're running lower and lower in your resources. So your resource here be your running energy, right? And if you can't continue to give yourself more resources, eventually you're going to be too tired to keep running, right? So if you're a runner, you're going to need to take some rest days. You're going to have to sleep. You're going to have to do these different things, stretch your legs, do different things to 
continue to give yourself more resources to conserve your resources so that you can then continue to do the activity that you need to do, right? Mm -hmm. So as you're consuming resources, you need to replenish them. So workload is seen as a stressor. So in your work environment, it is a stressor that is using your resources. It's using your brain power, some physical resources, et cetera, as you're trying to do your job. And so that's going to obviously then lead to stress. Um, So as you continue to deplete your resources through your workload, you're going to get more and more stress. But if there's a way for you to replenish that in some way, so whether that's having a lower workload for a period of time or the different recovery techniques we've talked about in the past on, you know, when you disconnect from work at night, et cetera, you replenish those resources and you can move on with your day, right? And do, and be fine. Be okay. Yep. Yes. Yes. So you can have a heavy workload as long as you have some way to make up for that after you go through spurts where you have a lot of sustained energy towards tasks. But if you just like keep running and running and running, eventually you're going to have to stop. You're going to run out of steam. Exactly. Yes. So as I was saying, this study like looks at, so we know that if you have a high workload, you're going to have this strain. Workload is always be related to having some potential strain. There's ways to mitigate for that, et cetera. But now what happens if you are thinking about, getting more workload or thinking about having less work, right? So let's say mm-hmm. you know that maybe you're an accountant and it's tax season. You're in the middle of tax season. You have a lot of work going on. But then you realize, okay, April 15th is coming in three weeks. After that, I'm going to have a bit of a break. So you see like the light at the end of this workload yeah. tunnel, right? Um, the opposite could be true for an accountant, right? When you're maybe in January, you're starting to send out notifications to your clients that tax season's coming, start making your appointments, gather these documents, blah, blah, blah. So now you're seeing that your workload's about to increase. So Mm -hmm. that can cause some stress too, right? Or cause stress versus diminish stress. So that's their theory, that if you're seeing that workload's going to get worse, you're more likely to feel anxious about it, feel some stress. And then if you are seeing that it's going to get better, you actually feel better even in the middle of doing a lot of things. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, I'm thinking about when people are like, oh, just try to take things day by day. But it seems like that's a little bit difficult to do in practice. If you know that there's something on the horizon that's upcoming, that's either good or bad. It actually can have an impact on how you're feeling about your work right now from a stress perspective. Exactly. Yeah. And so they pull on different research, old research that talked about how, you know, if you anticipate that there's gonna be a stressful experience coming up, it actually has a negative impact on you. So even before it happens, as you're thinking it's going to happen or knowing it's going to happen, your heart rate can go up, your negative emotions can go up, etc. But then if you anticipate something positive, so if you know something good is going to happen in the future, you're more likely to actually do some good things for your current state too. You're more likely to use like problem-focused coping strategies. So thinking about how to fix problems in the moment. Um, And then you start to actually feel better physically if you see this positive thing coming in the future. Um, And you actually, because you see positive outcomes and positive um, experiences in the future, you actually start to feel like stress is more controllable which is an interesting Hmm. finding that they they referenced um in the beginning of the paper so anyway so there's a lot of positives about seeing like some good things coming down the road and negatives with seeing bad things coming down the road yeah so that makes sense and feels uh intuitive 
what do they suggest people do? So if you, it doesn't seem like a good solution would be like, just don't tell anyone what's coming. (laughs) Um, So how do you kind of manage knowing that if you're coming into a difficult period of time. So if you're, you were using tax season, like I'm an accountant, I'm coming into tax season and I know that this is going to be a really, really rough time for me. And there's not much that we can do as accountants to avoid that, right? Like that's always going to be a busier time of year. Um, Are there suggestions for ways that people might either take advantage of the positive aspect of things or avoid the negative aspect of things? Yeah. So they have some good takeaways, you know, like um, kind of everything I was talking about is stuff they've talked about at the beginning of the paper. And then that's what they found as well. So um, just to give a little bit of context around what they've, how they did this study, because I think it's important. And I think that we, one of my recommendations, things to think about is like we need to tap into this research again in the future and see how things are going because it was a pretty Mm -hmm. small sample they only had 56 participants but they had 141 observations so basically people could complete the survey each month for a year and they're looking to see like over time how does workload change and Mm -hmm. how does that impact their stress so they asked people about their current workload their anticipated change in their workload and then ask them about emotional strain. So like if their job made them feel frustrated or discouraged or they feel miserable or fatigued, things like that. Hmm. Um, and what was interesting is that they use a project-based position. So they looked at a market research firm where they had projects that would start. And so like the leaders would say that the work really ebbed and flowed, right? Sometimes they'd have a lot going on the height of a project. And then as the project slowly wrapped up, then they would have some pause, some time before the next project would ramp up. So there was a lot of like ebbs and flows in these people's work day or work Mm. year, you know, over time. So that really helped, I think with the study. Yeah. And, and so what they found is exactly like everything we've been talking about so far is that these participants, if they saw that their workload was going to stay the same, well, if they were having str- if their workload felt like a lot already or whatever, it's still related to str- to feeling um, stressed out, feeling some emotional strain. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, workload is related to strain. If you think your workload is going to stay the same, gotcha. if you think it's if you think it's going to increase, you feel more stressed out. If you think it's going and that relationship gets stronger, so your workload is now like really tied to getting more and more stress. And then if you think your workload is going to decrease over time, then you actually don't feel as stressed out. (laughs) That's interesting. You feel kind of calm. Yeah. I think that uh, what you just said is also interesting that there was a lot of ebbs and flows. I think that people generally tend to think of like, oh, my job is always stressful or my job because like probably I would imagine that the negative aspects of our job or the more stressful aspects of our job stand out more. Um, then maybe some of like the more positive aspects or like the lower workload load times, we probably remember less than the times we felt really stretched. So I think it's also interesting to kind of recognize that on average, people saw ebbs and flows in their workload. So to also maybe keep in mind as a broad takeaway that, um, even if you're sort of dreading the ramp up, maybe it's helpful to realize that at some point, that will end and you'll ramp back down again. So it's kind of like you can Mm -hmm. look into like the short long-term or the long, long term, (laughs) And maybe (laughs) if you like keep the long, long term in mind and know that things even out a little bit more over time, it might create like a secondary reframing of that information or something like that. 
Yeah, I think that's a good call out. I mean, a lot of what they talked about in the takeaways, and I think some of the points are really good, is, you know, if you have the ability to provide people with endpoints, give them the, like, when is the end coming to a stressful situation, that's obviously the best thing you could do, right? That's better Mm -hmm. than just, like, letting it be ambiguous. So if you know, like, all right, this project, we have a deadline of this time. If it's super far out, like, if you're saying, like, this project's going to end in two years, like, that's probably not as helpful. But (laughs) maybe there's phases in a project that you can say, okay, well, this phase is going to be a lot of effort for this team, but then it's going to move to a different team in the next phase. So in two months, it's going to be a break time for you for you know this specific team that's working right now very heavily Mm -hmm. so being clear about when that time is going to be like when is the what they call the recovery period or the lower workload period coming Mm -hmm. I think is super helpful um so like you said like kind of putting in those different you know helping people understand like when that's going to be and helping people see those ebbs and flows I think is very important um and then I think it's also important to help like as leaders and, you know, as an employee, even for yourself, you know, if you know you're going into a high workload period, if you know that you're entering tax season right now, think about ways that you can help buffer the impact of this high workload um, that, you know, we've talked about in the podcast elsewhere, right? So uh, there's Mm -hmm. all sorts of different ways to recover when you get home from work, Um, taking your weekends, taking breaks throughout the day, all of those things apply like always, but can be particularly helpful when you have a high workload um, period of time. So if you're going into that moment, think about how you can, instead of seeing that, oh gosh, my workload is going to get a lot higher. How about take that time to plan how you're going to fix that while you're Mm -hmm. in it instead of focusing on the fact that it's going to be higher. Right. So kind of that like problem focused coping that we talk about sometimes. So this may be a case where kind of getting wrapped up in the negative emotions about thinking about things getting more difficult, like an avalanche of stuff that's coming your way, trying to come up with an action plan for, okay, I know that this is going to increase. What am I going to do to actually address the increase and creating some concrete steps to, um, to sort of manage your time? Exactly. Yeah. Totally agree with that. And then I think there's a really nice um takeaway like a positive takeaway here uh obviously if you know your workload is going to go down like that's a positive takeaway you know you're going to be doing better off like so focus on that like look forward to that time to help you manage the workload you're in currently but Mm -hmm. the thing that's really great like if you think about it from yourself from your perspective but also as your as a you know team lead or manager or whatever like employees can push through really hard periods of time if they see that end. Right. Like if you are giving your employees a reasonable workload most of the time and you have to make people do like, let's say you're right before a launch of something, a product, whatever, and there's going to be some really crazy few weeks or months, help them see that end. When is that end? Right. What's that going to look like? And that, you know, if the employees already trust that your workload is going to be relatively normal after it's done, then people can push through it and it actually doesn't impact their wellness as much as you would think if they see the end. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. That, uh, you know, it's that same idea that I was thinking about before of like, there's the short term, long term, like not today, but soon my workload's going to get really big. But then like, But after that, whatever, two weeks after that, it's going to go back to normal or it's going to decrease. Like 
you could almost just change the horizon that you're looking at mm-hmm. it with and having that like clear that clarity around when's it going to go back to normal and that's why I think a lot of organizations when they're going through big changes where they end up like laying off a bunch of people and now they're short-staffed and people are like I have no now I'm doing two jobs and I have no idea like when things are going to go back to normal for me like that's probably one of the reasons why you see so much turnover during those periods of time because people are like you know there's no end in sight or I don't see a plan for this I don't understand when things are going to go back to normal but if someone said to those folks like look, we're going to do something to address this within the next 30 days or whatever, and your job will go back to what it was like. People might not leave in those 30 days because they see an endpoint. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's helping, like you said, change people's horizons, show them where they, where that end is, and have them look forward to that end. Um, and honestly, as an employer, you could also think of like fun ways to get that end seem even better than not only is your workload going down but we're gonna have a day off everyone gets a day off after this project wraps or you can right. you know half day or whatever or some like little thing like that that can make people feel like super excited it's like oh I will push through this but you know I know that I'm gonna have a three-day weekend or I'm gonna have like my Friday off the before um you know x date and I get kind of like start planning things for that etc so I think leaders and organizations can really take advantage of this future focus Mm -hmm. and then employees really need to do do that as well right if someone gives you these opportunities to know when your workload is going to get better look forward to that plan for that think about that and get yourself motivated through this hard hard time to get to that end and help yourself not have that same emotional strain during this amount of high stress work because you know the end is coming yeah that makes perfect sense I think those are really great tips so if you know that a lot of work is on the horizon try to focus yourself on what's to come after that and if you're a manager make sure you're giving clear end dates and then if there's good stuff on the horizon uh, try to focus on that as much as possible uh, because it (laughs) seems like that's helpful yeah, it definitely is. So I think this is a really great like start in terms of this research. Like I yeah. said, I think there's a couple of things in the study that um, they called out even uh, that I think there's a lot of room for improvement and potential follow-up studies so we can really understand this phenomenon a little bit better. But yeah. I do think that the initial story makes a ton of sense. It's kind yes. of intuitive. And yeah. You know, we are future focused creatures. We always say, like, let's be mindful. Let's think about staying in the present. And that is obviously helpful in a lot of ways and a lot of times. But clearly not always. In this case, being hyper future focused may actually help us quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So uh, don't get drowned by your future. But also, you know, yeah, don't don't let the future sink you because you're not in the present but also don't let the future sink you because you're, you know, not thinking about what's to come even in the further future. So maybe like a farther <laughs> time horizon when things don't look good is a, is a good plan. Yeah. Kind of like a, don't think about the, f- I think the, the thing with mindfulness and, and this, like kind of that comparison I just made, like if you're thinking only about the future, that's a problem. But if you're mm-hmm. in the middle of a stressful situation or a stress- stressful project, work task, high workload, whatever, and you see where it ends. Looking forward to that is helpful, but not mm-hmm. thinking, all right, that's going to happen. Then plus X, Y, Z and everything else under the sun is happening in that month. And that's what I need to think about. That's when you get right. lost. Right. But thinking about like how using it as a tool to help you get through what you're in today is what the study is showing is helpful. 
Yeah. I think that's awesome. That's some really good, really good take, uh, uh, takeaways. And if you can, I guess, decrease your employees workload in the moment and they don't have to dread something, of course, that's always preferable. But if there's nothing you can do about it, at least preparing for people for when it's going to be over is a positive thing. Exactly. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for reading this. I really appreciate it. This was a very good piece. I thought so too. I thought it was really interesting, straightforward and super simple takeaways. So everyone go, if you're having a hard time right now, think about that, that future end date, get yourself ready for that and get all excited about that and help yourself get through today. Um, but yeah, we'd love to hear from all of you. If you have any questions, thoughts, suggestions, as always, feel free to email us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can also find us on our website, workerbeing.com and on social media at workerbeing on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.